All right, we are back for another edition of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. Jonathan Howe alongside Travis Cunningham. This is episode 61 brought to you by Oshweekin Speedway and Bicknell Racing Products. Don't forget to buy your race tickets ahead of Saturday nights at Maryville Speedway by visiting our friends at Van Sickle Pet Value in Pet Value on Lundy's Lane. Travis, episode 61, I feel like it's pretty obvious who you're going to pick for this number. Yep. Definitely one of my heroes in racing, uh, driving Ivan Little. He was at the very first day in Merrittville, and I think he raced all the way to the late 80s, so that's a hell of a career there. And He was just one of the main goats to start, one of the first goats. So he's the goat. And then another big 61 for me, I consider this one the main 61 in motorsports, is Richie nice. Evans. Eight-time NASCAR Modified Champion. Died while driving and still won the championship that year because it was the last race of the year at Martinsville, and he already had it clinched, so... He went out probably the way he yeah. wanted. That's what his wife said anyway. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? That, so, yeah. That seems Those like are, an, in the NASCAR. Yeah, he yeah, was first right? ballot. He was first ballot, right? Rick G. Evans was first I was going to say, because there was like oh, drama yeah. drama about Stefan, Stefanik, right? Getting getting in it. Like, and that, that's not first ballot. Like what? Like he was first induction yeah, class. Yeah, they went. That's what I meant. First class yeah, that got in was Richie. They Evans just went back and gave a bunch of guys yeah. like retroactive. Like we can't have a Hall of Fame without having these like 20 people in. So let's just have it kind of thing. Oh, he literally won the NASCAR Modified Championship eight years in a row. Nine times—I think it's nine times total. He won it once in '73, then skipped a few times. Got, like I said earlier, when I, I literally went to Fulton because that's the track where Richie Evans got disqualified from NASCAR for a <laughs> year because he was going. People used to go race non-NASCAR tracks under different names, and he was the one that was used at the yeah. skate build. It's literally why I went there because I wanted to race at that track. Yeah. How cool! And then yeah, there's other sixty ones. Derek Wagner's one we can't miss. He started as mod light at Merrittville and then ended up a good sportsman runner yep. at Ransomville. And he's from the States, so there's a good one. And uh, Paul Klager started his career. His go-karts were always 61. His first Mod Light was 61. Then he switched to one Mod Light. His uh, dwar- mini stock, he had one year in mini stock, and it was 618. Mm-hmm. So there's this number 61. Oh, currently know. in uh, mini stocks over at Maryville Speedway, we've got uh, Dewey DeGroot in the 61. So so I wanted to ask, because like 61 obviously has like that um, – has so much history with Ivan Little. Uh, what is there like an unspoken rule? Obviously, with the sixty-one, there hasn't been. But are there certain numbers in dirt racing, especially at a local track, where it's just like, hey, you you don't run that number. Like, you don't you don't see too many other forty-twos around the racetrack, right? Uh, yeah, I forget why Clayer ran sixty-one, but it's coming feeling like it was because of Ivan Little. It's like almost more people play, doing wanna, it in tribute. He was a Plaza guy too. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't can't think of any other sixty ones that's run mod in Maryville. So he's definitely the mm-hmm. one that comes up. He's gonna be the first one forever. Even my two of my dad's customers were sixty one because of Richie Evans, John Fletcher, and Wayne Getz, who's now in my sprint car crew. Mr. Wayne nice. Getz, so. Um, no yeah. racing from Osh Weekend Speedway this past Friday, but uh, this Friday is Christmas in July, which is uh, also what we're doing at Bearville on Saturday night, I think, too. I think we both have Christmas in July. Friday night is also my birthday, so, uh, I mean, I don't want to say the whole show should be about me or anything, but uh, that'd be that'd be, that'd be be a better... Yeah. I remember when you were on the air last year for your birthday and you made it all about you, so I don't know if you're talking oh, the truth well, it's, it's just big Leo energy or whatever the horoscope <laughs> tells me, whatever it says. <laughs> 29 this year on the yeah. 28th, so last yeah, year was cool. I think they call that the champagne birthday. Last year was, what, 28 yeah. on the 28th? Or, or I 29 think 28 on 28. Anytime you turn your actual age on the same day as your 
birthday or something. I think that's like I think they call oh. it your champagne birthday. Your something champagne. Like yeah, okay. I don't remember having champagne or not on that birthday, did, but whatever. <laughs> Twenty nine. Yeah, I wish. I'm just uh, I'm just hitting my prime if I was to jump into a, a race car now. So if I'm trying to convince somebody to put together a go kart program. My prime was 25, 26. So, although other people have been like Stewie, his prime was way yeah, later. Yeah, you could just be on the. You could be on a crest. Big. You could be. You huh. don't even realize. You could be about to like crest Ooh. up to a, something big. Problem about my prime is the yeah. wallet. That that kind of affects it. Anybody with big money, want to join the TC? Yeah, maybe team? if any, if you won you the Powerball down in the states and you want to sponsor a Canadian sprint car driver, there's a there's a good option for you. Yeah, lots of. And we would need less than others because we just need to buy the engine parts, not yes. do the whole thing. Exactly. Exactly. Money that way. I'd say like, oh, just let somebody else do it. But then you would just get upset about it not being done your way. So, Oh, if they wanted to buy a brand new, whatever all the other boys are buying something, I would like pick my specs a little bit better than some of the guys. They just say build whatever you got. And sometimes it's hard to tame. But like, I know kind of what I want, but someone else to put together. Yeah, that'd be a yeah. lot easier on me. I had it made back in the day when my dad yeah. would just do it. Yeah. That's the one thing I wish I had now. I'd be a little bit more higher because everyone who says racing's all to work, try building yeah. an engine on top of that. Not just calling your engine builder and asking if it's yet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's it. Yeah, that is a, a very <laughs> fair point. Um, we should probably talk about, speaking of engines and building good engines, how about an open motor getting a modified win on Saturday night at Maryville Speedway in the Pack Merchandising 358s? It yeah. was Luke Carlton winning uh, over Scott Wood, Pete Bicknell, Chad Brockman, and Freddie Carlton rounding out your top five. But um, pretty special night uh, as uh, Luke Carlton was uh, honoring a fallen, uh, uh, I guess it was a, a fallen firefighter, uh, Jerry Saxton, who yeah. they, both Luke and Fred have had their his badge on the race cars all uh, season long thus far at Maryville Speedway. Uh, we'll talk to Luke a little bit more about this later in the show. He's going to be our guest tonight uh, on the show. So, uh, it'll get him to kind of break down the whole story and uh, the connection there. And uh, either way, it was a really special one. It was also special because it was Luke's first win in a modified in 30 years. Second yeah. ever. I haven't won in 13 years. So he's won sports yeah. and races in between there though. So lots, yeah, more than one. So, but yeah, first modified, that's a huge deal. And uh, yeah, I'm super, super pumped when I read that, especially because I think he wrecked yes, Friday he night Ransomville or had a little bit of damage and, yeah, he had a definitely not the best night Friday. And so there you go. Turned it around. I love stories like that because racing can really yes. beat you. Yeah, and uh, it, it's good to see that um, Luke got back in victory lane. It was also his first feature win. I know you said uh, he won some sports and races. I think it was his first feature win in anything in over 10 years. I think this uh, so it sounds about uh, right. really was a real return to uh, victory lane. A uh, driver who's just heating up. Oh, go for it. One thing. I just want to say one other thing. Just about the open motor and w16 thing like beginning of the year everyone was buying spec motors because matt was winning on a spec motor last year so they all started the year without the sail panels and they all switched to the w16s and then that's why i was making the jokes like do they all <laughs> got to switch back now because i know our spec motor won this weekend so is everyone switching back i just like that to prove that they still can't win like to me it's not like you couldn't use matt as a training gauge you know like in my opinion he's always yeah. in there no matter what yeah put him on D400s on prep on prep tires, he's probably still going to win. Just the facts. And uh, yeah, so to me, it's a little more equal than people say. Like everyone went, oh, it's w-. I don't know. To me, like Ken Schrader finished fifth in a car he hadn't sat in all year with an 
spec motor. So I don't think it's that bad. He's literally one modified yeah. starter year, and he beat Pete in the W16. Exactly. So it's just it's e- more equal than people think. I yes, swear. I think to you the on that. The, cl- the competition is a lot closer than people realize, especially in the mods at Maryville. Um, yeah, or even in the, in the two, two combos, combos, I think it's. I don't think it's. Yeah. that far off anymore really uh over in the right choice auto and leisure sportsman nelson mason gets the win over cody mcpherson ryan ferry taylor vanderzanen and james friesen um nelson uh kind of starting to really heat up i mean he's been bad fast all year long he's really got ransomville figured out but uh starting to round into form at uh at Merrifield now too yeah uh definitely how many win last year five started the season a little slow picking it up and, I think it was uh, only three. I think it was three he won last oh, year. More than three. At Maryville? Or are you oh, no, I'm talking him? overall. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Overall, he's won at Maryville. He's won Ranceville. Did he, is this his yeah. first Ranceville? No, he won earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. no, he's won a couple at Maryville. Nelson, buy W16. They're cheap. Uh, he's, he's ready, man. I think They're so. We'll same see. Same price. As soon as your 602 is worn out or blows up. <laughs> same price. That is so. a good point. Yeah. Same price. Um. So a little bit of drama in the Hoosier stocks. Dave Bailey gets the win. Kyle Pellrine, Jason Fontaine, Mark Fawcett, Ron Logie, your top five there. But the story of the of the Hoosier stock class uh, was a little incident between Rob Murray, who was disqualified from the event after he purposely drove pretty much right through Ryan Dinning, who came back to finish uh, 10th after being involved in that caution, but was running up inside the top three. Murray was on the outside of the front row for a restart, tried to kind of squeeze down. Um, and I, it, it, at first it almost looked like Dinning came up, tagged Murray and Murray almost tagged Bailey and spun all three of them from the lead. It was almost like that. Remember that wreck at Talladega when like Brian Vickers turned Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jimmy Johnson in one move. That's kind of almost what it looked like. Dinning yeah. was going to do on their one restart. There was like a complete restart or re-rack of that restart because I think there was a caution into the first corner or something, so we didn't even get a lap. So they restarted it again the same order. And Murray, again, tried to come down from the top lane. This time it looked like Dinning kind of held his ground, and if anything, Murray really just forced him down. I thought at first both drivers were pretty much headed like head on into the guardrail on the low side entering corner one. They avoided that. Dinning ended up making the pass on Murray. Murray lost a couple of spots being stuck on the outside, and then he just was not happy with Dinning and pretty much decided to drive straight through him, uh, going into three and four to show his displeasure, and that earned himself uh, a bit of a DQ. So at, uh, even on Sunday, people were still asking me about that particular incident uh, during the wreck fest that we had on Sundays at Maryville. So uh, making some headlines. Mm-hmm. What time of year? Weather's hot. Yep. Tempers are high. People are sick of... Not so, well, yeah, just getting you know that time of year where your eagerness to race isn't as fresh, so the littlest thing can set you up. Yeah, and it's hard to. I, I'd be interested to see. I think um, Joe Albertine, Albertine, I can't remember. Sorry, Joe, if I'm butchering your last name. I, I can't really say anything. I was going to say, yeah, I, I believe Joe's got the video out on his particular YouTube channel now uh, of that particular race. But even still, it's um, it's a drone shot, so I don't know if we're going to see exactly what we need to see on that restart. But I th- seems to cover the whole track. I think kind of tell for the most part. That sportsman wrecked. I think I where he usually parks there. the drone, he usually is has it driving away. They'll be driving away from it into corner one. So I still think you're uh, going to be able to see who comes down or who goes up, kind of thing, and we can kind of get a better idea of what actually happened yeah. with that incident. So 
um, it'll be worth exploring. If it's not already up, then we'll uh, check it out uh, later on when Joe posts that one. And uh, shout out to Joe for filming so much at Maryville with uh, with the drone and posting those on his own volition. It's been uh, pretty entertaining so far. Uh, over in the mod lights, we had a, a bit of a duel to the end uh, between Josh Slater and Brent Begelow. Lap traffic kind of played a factor in what was almost a side-by-side run to the line. Um, and Josh Slater back in victory lane. Finally, yay! <laughs> His dad always comes over and tells me to make he likes listen to when I make fun of him on the show. So <laughs> I got nothing for him this week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he wasn't allowed to go to Humberstone because uh, of dad duties and stuff like that. I don't yeah. shouldn't say wasn't allowed, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. And I, I was ribbing with Ray at the beginning of the night, but at the end of the night, I was like, man. Should have went and seen Josh's kid and just stayed home tonight, kind of thing, because I had a bad night. But yeah, yeah, I was, I was jealous of him by the end of the night. Yeah. <laughs> so Josh and finally ends the streak at I think it's five in a row that it capped off for Brent Begelow. Uh, Begelow still, that, yeah. yeah, still like absolutely running away with the mod lights Josh. right now. But Josh ends the Josh. streak, and uh, Chris Watson brought home third, Ryan Anderson fourth, and Sean if Toddy fifth. Shout out to Ryan Anderson for uh, a great uh, run and continuing to show how much that 44 has improved in 2023 yeah do he's my number one best improved driver this year for sure most improved yes for sure and uh austin worstrow wins the van sickle pet value pv on the lane four cylinders over kyle rothwell olivier LaRock, clinton barrick and randy allway uh the crazy thing for austin worstrow is he told me in victory lane i can't remember what exactly he said went wrong i think it was something in maybe a spark plug or something to do maybe with the uh, engine. And he had his dad run all the way back to Niagara on the lake between the heat race and the feature to get a part that they needed to quickly swap out and get the 71 running the right way again. And he ends up winning uh, the race. So that was a pretty cool story. That was that. That's how you hustle. Good thing it was close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's far enough. Hammer down. Yeah, it's that's like down by that's BRP. pretty far from Maryville, I feel like. It's like 20 minutes. I've had to do the jaunt to Grimsby because I forgot my steering okay. wheel. Okay, yeah. Once, that... so. Or something something silly yeah, like that. So That's a little far. A little farther. Not yeah. fun. No, it Still is not. sucks. Uh, that, uh, that wraps up Maryville Speedway. Like I said, we're going to catch up with uh, Luke Carlton, the modified feature winner, a little later on in the show, and hopefully we'll see you Saturday night. Be sure to grab your tickets for Maryville Speedway from our friends at Vansicle Pet Value PV on the lane. Folks from Vansickle Pet Value and PV on the Lane aren't just fans of your favorite four-legged friends, they are race fans too. That's why Jeff and Rhonda Riley, as well as their staff, have teamed up with Merrittville Speedway to make your race day experience more convenient. Race fans can now pick up tickets for race nights while grabbing the highest quality food, treats, toys, and accessories for their pets from the St. Catharines and Niagara Falls locations. Each grandstand ticket will also have a voucher that can be used in-store for a free pet bath at their dog wash stations. Drivers and crew members can also skip the line by purchasing pit passes in-store, giving them more time to get their rides ready for Saturday nights. Check out Vansicle Pet Value across from Best Buy and Walmart on 4th Avenue in St. Catharines and PV on the Lane at the corner of Kayla Road and Lundy's Lane, Highway 20. Uh, and you wanted to take a time, uh, take some time here to shout out a couple of the other racetracks around because, uh, you know, we, we are a little bit thinner. No Humberstone this week, past weekend, no Wash Weekend. Uh, but uh, Brighton did run. So uh, Tyler French, I'm looking over the um, 
uh, I believe this is the street stocks right here. Yeah. Street stocks. I'm looking at. Yeah. Tyler French, Justin Ramsey, Steve Baldwin, um, subbing for Brock Gregory, if I'm understanding that, or maybe Brock Gregory sub for Steve Baldwin, not a hundred percent sure, but either way, 28 finishes third, Jeff Humphrey fourth and Doug Anderson fifth in the street socks. Shout out to those guys. And those shout are all such Brighton. big names from up there. That's what people like. It's crazy. All the street right? stock guys know that. Like all the main street stock guys down here know that. Like Doug Anderson, he's a multi-time champ. going to be a Hall of Famer. Same with Ramsey probably. But he's yep. like a lot younger. But yeah, all those guys. Good runners. That's why I wanted to say it. We should say yeah. this more. Just quick top fives, even though we didn't see the races. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about uh, the Canadian Modifieds. Sean Gregory wins that one over uh, Ron Wadforth. Uh, Doug O'Brien. Doug Blennis, hopefully Blenis, saying, yep. Yep, saying that right. Leslie Mowat and Dan Price rounds out your top five uh, there in the Canadian mods at Brighton. Well, Blennis used look- to run Sportsman. I know that. He's like oh, back yeah? and forth a couple of times. Yeah. Nice. A lot of guys will do that, run Canadian mods at Sportsman and go to Brighton. All right. Brighton and then Sportsman at Brockville. Switch back and forth. And in the late models, uh, looking at the uh, results here, the feature Steve Baldwin wins it over Austin King, Ryan Lambert, Nate Rinaldi and Kyle Sopaz. That uh, was your top five in uh, the late models uh, from this past Saturday at Brighton. Yeah. And there's not many people we said there that haven't been to the, our area. No, that is the one thing about drivers. They travel well, they really do. And when they travel, they don't just, yeah, they have to, they don't just fill the field either. They usually end up like how many times has Justin Ramsey come down here and, and kick butt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Lots of times. Yeah. So, it's uh he it just makes sense to uh go and support Brighton like when Sander we can. Cox, another one you didn't yeah because he wasn't in the top five last week. He was not actually. Um, yeah. uh, and Hennessy was another one, but now he's crate sprints up that area. Yep. Well, that was the other thing we were gonna say. We we're gonna touch on that it was a quick. Oh, uh, what's that? The AST. Yes, we have to get they open their national tour. Yes, we should uh touch on that before I get to that. I want to give we the didn't touch on that in our pre thing. Yeah, yes, give the four cylinders a shout out here too from Brighton. Uh, Tommy Bailey gets the win over uh Shannon Davidson. Either it was either Shannon or Adam piloting the the car. I'm not sure which the side this note points to. It says Shannon sub Adam, so I feel like that means the sub is Adam, but not 100 sure there. Uh, Josh Bogart. Brightons do subs. There's another thing to talk about. So they do sub drivers where we don't do that up here. So what does that mean? Does that mean like just for one night you, you can, can sub some somebody in yeah, or lots of payment tracks do it too? Like if you can't make it, mm-hmm. you can let someone else run your car and still get points. Really? Yep. See, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because for me, like I'm kind of old school and I think like if you don't take the green flag, I would never let anyone run my car. So it's pretty relevant to me. Okay. So, but other, like other people would. So yeah, that's different. <laughs> Yeah, like to me, I just think like if you don't take the green flag, how can I give you the points for it? But I guess. But they just let you. I think you have to. I don't know at all, but I'm guessing maybe you have to declare your backup driver early in the year or something. Maybe not. Maybe you can just let. Maybe once you do it, you have to let that person do it. If you're, there's got to be a rule one or two times. I don't know. Yeah. I just know they let sub drivers, which is something that's unheard of up here. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. Except interesting. Flamborough used to. Be I guess that. the other thing too is that we don't. It's not like we have like at our local tracks an owner's points and then a driver's points separating things either, right? No. Whereas like if touring series, yeah. If stuff. you're a car, if you're a car owner and you want the car on the racetrack and you still want to be represented in the points, like that kind of makes sense. Just for the mainly for the trophy at the end of the year. Yeah. Racers tell you they love the trophy more than more than money. Lasts longer. Trophy definitely lasts longer than the money. Yeah. That's fact. 
for sure. Uh, so Action Sprint Tour, you mentioned uh, the crates. They were at uh, Cornwall on Saturday. Started at Brockville. Or sorry, Sunday. I'm reading that wrong. Brockville is on Saturday. Yeah. And then Sunday was the, uh, the the Cornwall show. So let's start with, uh, we'll start with the National Series event that kicked off on Saturday. I'm looking at the uh, the Eastern Tour. It's supposed to be Can-Am, Brockville, Cornwall, but Can-Am got rained out. And they've been running crate sprints uh, for the last two seasons now. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm excited to see uh, I, Brockville, and I'm going to experience that. We're going to get on into that a little bit later on. But uh, it sounds like Brockville is just one of those places that's great for sprint car racing. Uh, it's a wicked little shape and stuff. The only thing I wish about Brockville was a little bit wider out of four. Yeah. If it was a little wider out of turn four, man, you, it would be just that little bit extra racy and stuff, but you, yeah, it's definitely a super fun track to run. You don't want to, because this, it's so high banked. Yep. Uh, it's like a pretty big cliff. If you get off the top of a banking and uh, turn one and two with a sprint car, like I saw the first time I ever went there, uh, Tyler Rand, my buddy from up in the Picton area, like he just, I think it was hot laps or his heat, like one right before me. And he just did a digger, got off the top and I can still hear it. Like his foot hit the gas and the RPMs pegged and God, God, nosedive, nosedive. And it was an ugly one. Yeah. And uh, that sticks out in my head a lot. Like when you're a sprint car driver, you have to watch that in the heat before you're like, okay, yeah, don't do that. And yeah, but uh, that was bad. That's easy. Hard modified just can kind of fall off. Sprint cars seem to fall off a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, so looking at the results, Matthew Bardier ends up with the win on the national, Panther. the national series Panther opener, Frank. my boy. Yeah, of course. Right. Uh, lead yeah. is uh, ends up in second. Ladisseur. I uh, see. I always go to French. I think sometimes with my French pronunciations, yeah. Ladisseur. There we go. Uh, Matt Billings was third, Adam Turner fourth and Mike Bowman finishing in fifth to start the national tour event for the uh for the pint for the pinties national series i gotta make sure I, there's three different sponsors so i'm trying to make sure i work in which three are which but the pinties sponsoring yeah. the national crate sprint series for the action sprint tour so uh that was the saturday night now let's talk about uh the sunday night which was um the supernaut truck shop east series and those guys were running at corn it was both that one was a combo so what did they I think it was an east and a north or and a national. That's why Bowman went. Didn't work out for him, but he went. Did they count it for both points? I'm looking at it. It's... I think so. Maybe not. I'm I feel like yeah, that's why all those other guys showed up from down here. I kind of thought it was just wrong. one of those things where they were trying to take advantage of uh No, they didn't count it for the national points. I can confirm that. No? I'm looking at it now. Yeah. According to Okay, yeah. Probably because they don't run crate sprints all the time. Although it does say as of July 22nd, so maybe they just didn't update it yet, but I would feel like they would have done the update for now. So I'm pretty sure it just counted for one batch of points. That's weird. Well, they were already up there anyways. I think that was kind of the hope for the schedules. If they start the National Series on the East, it'll bring some of the Western Series drivers. Yeah, that makes sense. Motivate them to go and race an Eastern Series event. So, um, you know, helpful, fill out the fields and stuff. Either way, Ladisseur ends up winning that one over Matthew Bardier, uh, Adam Turner, Matt Billings, and Ashton Van Every with a solid run in fifth. I love that kid. He's most he's really positive. Yeah. Whenever he's around, I get a little bit more positive. So I like when he's around. He's a cool kid. Well, obviously you need to go and hang out. He always with goes hanging around with Stratford. <laughs> and he's, they're always busting each other's balls, and it's really fun to listen to. <laughs> 
Well, obviously, he's somebody that you need to spend more time with, I guess. I don't know. Oh, he asked to be on the show at the banquet. We still haven't got him on. We're jerks. We'll get him. That's more me. I told him. We'll get him. He's got to win. I told him to get him in the offseason. I lied to him. I, I said <sighs> we'd get him in the offseason. I totally lied. Brutal. It was hopeful. It was hopeful. We, we got you, buddy. We'll hook you up. We'll hook you up, Ashley. Eventually. <laughs> Win's the best way to do it. We love winners. We love winners. We are Chip Ganassi of podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that pretty much covers everything that's actually happened, at least over the weekend, which means we should yeah. probably jump into the short track super series who are north of the border for the first time in a hot minute. Yeah. So they've come up. Uh, I think it's kind of funny how like the short track super series come up. And then we're going to get into, again, like the Super Dirt Series is coming next week, how they're kind of like on top of each other, Mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's funny. But uh, yeah, last night was an awesome race at Granby, Quebec. Track had a little bit of bite in her, and uh, Matt Shepard ended up winning it. And then the main thing was our boy Matt Williamson and Mike Mahaney continued their rivalry, and that's what everyone's talking about today. Matt threw rocks or a piece of mud at him. I watched him follow it up like i'm like oh man like at first when i saw him like i knew he was gonna be mad but i was hoping he would just stay like not don't give the keyboard warriors as he called them at weedsport uh fire but he sure gave him fire and so i mean all they were talking about today yeah but uh i gotta say this about the, the keyboard warriors he was referring to i think is the hard clay observer group on facebook if people aren't in there yet like it's i call it the dirt modified s posting group yeah that's basically a better way to describe it like don't take anything in there seriously but it's in there for just the pure insanity really they're not even funny but, though like you and i are both in a nascar posting group and but some of them are funny yeah it's more like hatred funny. and yeah they just kind of it's pretty bad but they're just trolls it's also fun to read yeah there's, it's a troll yeah, group yeah sure. perfect way to say it's it. just a troll group they're modified troll group yeah yeah that's a better way to say it but it's still fun to read sometimes if you're a little bored and uh, but whatever i was getting to with that like when matt said that in weed at weedsport victory lane calling out the keyboard warriors yeah. i had never heard of that group ever and like that group has tripled or quadrupled in member size and send it up over 10,000 and stuff. It's like, whew. there's a lot yeah, of noise. Last night, there was definitely a lot for the keyboard warriors in the Williamson Mahaney incident. So how did you, how do you break that down? Did, is there, was it just a racing deal? Cause, uh, you know, obviously <gasps> yeah, they were definitely just a racing they deal. Were, they were battling for second and you know, they had bad blood. You can't like, if you have bad blood with someone, yeah. You kind of got to know they're coming all the way up and stuff like that, too, and all that. But those two, yeah, they've had bad blood. Like, it started because Mahaney used to drive the bus U88, where Matt drives that on the Super Dirt Car Series. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started. And then, yeah, they've both been running into each other ever since. And either way... Both sides, like, it's both ways. There's no doubt about it. Either way, Matt Shepard keeps winning. Uh, I also wanted to... That's for sure. You. He just laughs all the way to the bank. Yeah. Easy, they call him Easy Money Matt in that group. Easy Money Matt. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to hard <laughs> to argue with right now. The guy is just the top right? of his yeah. game. I wanted to ask the you. Last year and a bit. We didn't touch on it. We didn't follow yep. up on it. Uh, what did you make of the watermelon smash? As Ross Chastain hands off a watermelon to his, uh, I guess, car right. owner for the night. Um, back when they ran that modified race together. First off, that was a hell of a race too. That shows how a slick track provides awesome three, four lanes because that was a heck of a race too at Utica Rome last week, which Matt Shepard kicked their butt. Mm -hmm. But Williamson went 12th to second in that one as well. And Chastain did pretty. He wasn't that bad. Like he finished 25th, but he had the car going around a little bit better than I thought. And uh, people were chirping in that group like, oh, he's getting extra laps before the, like, 
I guarantee you the guy who was starting next to him in the heat was happy he was getting a few extra laps after hot laps from all the other people because he had never driven one of those cars and they're hard to it's easy to plow and plow into the guy next to you and those things like really easy to plow the front end mm-hmm. that's how you can tell a rookie in a dirt modified they don't know how to get it set right and they go plowing through the like full lock left yeah yeah it's very easy to do that if you don't enter right so yeah I'm sure they were glad he had a couple extra laps so and he didn't do that and he just rolled around did a good job and then the watermelon smash was pretty hilarious. I thought it was. I didn't funny. think that was coming, but it's perfect. I, I kind of figured it might. I mean, that's that's a signature kind of trademark thing, right? So it makes sense that uh, he would yeah. kind of hand it off to but the boss then, for the night. So what was the top five last night? Oh yeah. Sorry. Um. Oh, I just had it open. Hang on. But the watermelon, he was just hand. Yeah. I was gonna say top five was uh, Shepherd, and then Mahaney ended up finishing second, I believe. No. Nope. He ran out of gas. Oh, that's right. David Hiver was second, and Mikel Perrant. The rest of the top five was French, so the French people did a real good job defending their turf other than Matt Shepard. And, like, Williamson and Mahaney, they had their troubles. Like, Mahaney running out of gas after all that was pretty, like, holy drama. Yeah, like, really? Like, to the max. Like, that was pretty good for if you liked drama last night. There was lots of Yeah, so Mahaney was running second, made most of the race in second place behind Shepard. And then, like you say. You could argue he was the fastest. Yeah. Like coming from midfield, you could argue he was the fastest car. Yeah, that's why I burned up so much fuel. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a little heavier than expected. David Hebert, uh, Michael Perron, um, Matthew Dijonet, uh, or David Dan, excuse me, and uh, Steve Bernard uh, rounded out your top five. I believe. Uh, I think Steve yeah, Bernard's other, come down to race. Most of those Maricol. guys are on the SDS. Bernard's. I'm not at Merritt. Uh, maybe. He, I'm sure he's been I'm, there. I'm almost wondering if he point. came down during the pandemic. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Maybe I'm thinking of Steve Bernier. But like he's on the Super Dirt series, and so is mm-hmm. Desjardins. They've been running that stuff. So, and Hebert like is one of the goats at Granby. So it's cool to see him have yep. a good run. And literally, so to follow up the Quebec swing for that series, like there's 17 to go right now, and Williamson's leading over Friesen, Rudolph, Mark Johnson, and Mike Mahaney is currently the top five, and they'll probably be done by the time we're done here. So that's the second part of the. And Quebec where are swing. they for that? No drama tonight, William. Uh, RPM yes. Speedway. So like last night was the biggest track. In Canada for a dirt track, and tonight we're at one of the smallest. This one's like doesn't look bigger than Cornwall to me. Like it looks really. If it's bigger than Cornwall, it's just a smidge. It's really small, and Maddie's been leading the whole thing. And you mentioned it's kind of funny that uh, the Super Dirt Car Series is kind of like mirroring almost the uh, this short track Super Dirt Series calendar because. Well, no, they're both just battling for supremacy, and well, it's like a week after that. that they the short track Super Series is here. We got big blocks coming north of the border. Uh, Drummondville is going to have two race events. Yeah, and they're both coming next back, Monday yeah. and Tuesday. If you're listening to this, uh, I guess on the Friday, the 28th, that'll be July 31st, 2023, and August 1st, 2023. The Super Dirt Car Series have the King of the North, uh, two races at Drummondville, and then the Canadian Classic at Brockville on Wednesday, August 2nd, which I will be in attendance for. And hopefully you can join me for that one as well, if we can make it uh, work. But I will definitely be in attendance to cover that one and then hopefully catch up with some of the big block guys as well. That'd be really sweet. Stewie won't be coming, but like if we could get Matt Shepard, just a few words with him, that'd be yeah. next level. Yeah, we'll see if we... Not next level, but yeah. it'd be really cool. Because we've already had Trader yeah. and stuff. We had Trader ones. Yeah. And Joe Plasic. Yeah, I, there's, we've had a lot of legends on the show. Lots of people. I know. We've been killing right. it. My dad hey. is determined to, for us to somehow interview Tony Stewart. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's you'd have to. We could 
That'd be a lot of PR that we'd have to jump through. Let's go for Stuart Friesen first. Before Tony Stewart. Oh, that controversy. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Not to get like a year apart. Right? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll figure that out. Anyways, we hope to see you there and hope uh, if you're thinking about making the. uh, making the trek up to watch the big blocks north of the border. Maybe uh, let us know if you're going to be there and uh, we can hook you up. Uh, maybe, maybe bring some stickers along the way as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, just excited to get covering a big block race. And if uh, you're local to the Niagara region where we are and you don't want to make the long trek, don't worry. Tuesday, August 22nd in Ransomville, uh, the big blocks will be back. And uh, that's that one. I'm that one we are sure. both going to 100%. So, looking forward to that event. And I think Scotty and Chris are coming. Or no, maybe Scotty can't come. Chris is going from work. Nice. Machinist guy. So, yeah. Probably yeah. more of us. That'll be a blast. Be one. It's one of my favorite places to watch the big blocks. It's, it's a good spot for it, for sure. So, I'm looking forward to getting back to Ransomville. Uh, Ransomville for that one. And we mentioned briefly Stuart Friesen. Uh, he made a big announcement this week on uh, our friends over at the uh, GeForce live race rivals chat he's coming back to canada to race in the pinty series on dirt this coming august yep i was wondering when they were going to not like literally crossed my mind this past week i'm like wonder if they're ever going to announce people coming up i just realized that they hadn't announced it yet and then sure enough clint does a and adam do a monday show instead of the regular thursday and sure enough there it was Stuart Friesen's coming up to drive a glenn Styers. Uh, cast car this year. Sorry, now, <laughs> series. Old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. And then, uh, yeah, so that's different because last year he's yep. on the Steckley team, which in my opinion is the GOAT team on the cast car right now. But uh, yeah, so he's got to go Glenn Styers, who's prepared by mm-hmm. Whitey right now, the WMI, Dave White. So he's going to be running out of that stable. And then the real big news for me, because I didn't expect this one really, is Jay-Z, former Canadian Sprint Car National winner. JZF now, sorry, Jessica Zemkin Friesen. She's always Jessica Zemkin to me. Because, uh, yeah, that's how I grew up racing against her. But uh, former Canadian Nationals winner. And this is her first sprint car start in like six years. That's why it's wow. such a big deal. Like, she hasn't done it since, uh, she hasn't raced a sprint car since after their son and Parker was yeah. born. So it, uh, it's going to be a, a good uh, homecoming for both of them. And it'll be. A yeah. great event for that. Stewie to be back at. Uh, he almost won the thing last year. I think I think we're yeah. going to ramp up with a little extra coverage of that one, teeing it up the week before or two weeks before. I'm going to see if I can't uh, make some calls out to some friends that I've got in the uh, Pinty's world to come on the show and fun. talk about uh, Dirt Life and talk about the Pinty series as well. So we'll see what we can uh, put together for that one. The other fun thing about Stuart racing against his wife, Jessica, is Stewart's going to be racing in the sprint car as well, but he's going to be driving for Glenn Styers racing, but Jessica's going to be driving for Ooh. Hills racing. So they're not going to be teammates. Or techni- yeah. It'll be a fun. Little yeah. Battle watch. for supremacy. And they're both race. Like, yeah, they ain't going to care who each other. Are, I can guarantee. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be good. And like they both slide each other for a win. And correct me if I'm wrong. That means that Stu- Jessica or Stewie even chirped like how he knows her intricacies oh, really, and eh? stuff. He was chirping on the show a little bit. He's like, I know her really. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. I was so going to say, will funny. he have um, one of those new GSR chassis, you think? Uh, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he talked about how it was so cool because him and Brett are such good nice. buds. Long time. So he told 
Yeah, Brett told that story last week on the pod about Rex yep. Stewart Friesen's Harry Macy ride at the yep. indoors. So yeah, they go yes, back they a while. Do. So that'll be uh, fun to see yeah. in here. Check out so, that's super cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I I love the Pinty series. I love the fact that they're on dirt, um, and I'm excited to see what the show is going to offer in the uh, second year of it. So. Uh, we should probably get into some of the sprint car silly season news before we grab, uh, Luke Carlton. Um, want to ask, uh, what your thoughts are, what some of the rumors are that are starting to pop out and some of the posts that you've seen on social media. Not even rumors. It's all the stuff that's already happened. Like this season has been crazy for it already. Like, uh, it started off with like buddy Kofoid was running that number 11 car crouch motorsports. And you thought he was killing the world he won an outlaw show with it and they were doing awesome then they left that and he ended up at uh roth motorsports that's what started it but the main stuff like this weekend was lance deweese the dream team kreitz motorsports so davy brown legendary crew chief 88 years old been going since the 50s has won a race every year since then multiple and uh, so he's one of the biggest crew chiefs of all time and then don kreitz who has been a driver in that car he owns it and he drove it for the longest time has williams grove national open wins Won the King's Royal Adora, tons of wins for him as well. And then, yeah, they hired Lance DeWeese in 2016, and they literally coined it the dream team once they started with Lance, and they were just killing it with wins, and they won something like 72 or 1 features in three almost 300 starts, so it's like a 25% winning. So to see them break up is insane. Just shows how racing is so cutthroat. And that one wasn't like a mutual agreement. That was like a Donnie called them Sunday, and be like, sorry, Lance, it's not working out. And stuff like that. Like they definitely, because I hate that mutually parted ways thing. Because you know that. Yeah, there's always, always somebody who wanted it done. Like, more this was than literally, we let him go. Yeah, like a job. Exactly. Kind of thing. I hate yeah. that mutually parted. Like I get. You don't have to go home, mutual, but you can't stay rarely. here. Correct. Yeah. Like oh, there's another one. Hunter Schurenberg, like his brother-in-law is a crew chief of the car he got fired from earlier, and like he got sewered, and then Buddy Kofoid ran it for like a week. There's like yeah. But then the other one, besides, so after the Dream Team breaks up, 69K, so it's like, who's going to fill that seat? It's still not filled. But then, so Shark Racing, they just won the million last week with Logan Schuhart. And then this week, their other driver doesn't run Saturday at Williams Grove and says he's going to take a break from racing. So, like, craziness on that one for Jacob Allen, leaving the Shark Racing team, which is Father Bobby Allen owns. And, yeah, and then he put that note up today, and it's hard not to feel that note as a racer. And, like, because he says it's just about the the tolls it puts on i can't imagine like i'm 12 races in <clears throat> this season and i'm already like mentally wore out and stuff like that and it's that time of year where it's getting you know it's not you're not as eager as the beginning of the year unless you're winning every night kind of stuff it's just harder to keep going and that's after 12 nights so i can imagine all those times mm-hmm. on the road and stuff and how extra yeah, hard if you haven't is. seen it but it's uh, up yeah, on social gonna, media for you to check yeah. out kind of just goes into the details of it's good no it, just, it's it's a really revealing look a lot of the fans don't realize how Meant, they just think we show up exactly. and drive a lot of them. And they don't like it's so much. It's more so than that. revealing. It it's it, it really shows, you know, how much of your time Only one how winner much in of racing. your um you know, your soul that you have to put into your craft to be a great sprint car driver, great race car driver in general. And it really In general. It's Any so class. tough on you guys. I, I can't imagine. Like I'm I'm in a go-kart season that's been kind of up and down because of, you know, paving and there's been trophy race events that have kind of upset things. So it's like, you know, what I signed up for was every other week and 
I think I've raced every three weeks when you actually add it up or however it worked out. But even that's been a grind for me. And, you know, that's just an arrive and drive rookie series. That's yeah. not, I don't have to do any work on the car. I don't have to prepare things. I don't have to travel really besides getting to Hamilton for it. I can only imagine what you guys uh, have to go through to get out to a racetrack every single week. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask you, in the future, do you see the idea of weekly racing going away because it just takes so much of a toll on these guys? Uh, I don't see weekly racing going away. Or I, it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm seeing more like just a lot more tracks start dying off, just like we touched on those other three. I think just mm-hmm. last week, was it? But anyway, yeah, it's just uh, can't ignore the trends. And there's definitely more clothing yeah. and opening. Yeah, that's a fact. So I think more of that, maybe like weekly racing, maybe like other tracks can gain cars at some point. And like I, like I can't see racing in fifty. I don't know. Like eventually our party's going to be over. I don't know. I, I hope you're wrong. wrong. Just how come? I hope at least I'm wrong for my too, lifetime. Like, it's going to turn into like a more elitist yeah. thing. Yeah, it already has in a lot of ways, right? So it's it's. Yeah, it's getting harder for us little guys. I can promise you that. Yeah, we unless uh, you, you, we start running an enduro class, that seems to be the cheap, cheapest thing you can get into these days, right? Yeah. So, uh, even go karting is insanely expensive, right? So, yeah, even you arguably spend more money on a go kart program than you can on a mod light. Twenty five hundred dollar entire yeah. prep. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's end on a positive note, though. You want to? You have a story about Greg Wilson that you want to share. Yeah, that, um, this was a this is one that should grab headlines, but really hasn't at this point. Uh, yeah. So Greg Wilson is a 410 sprint car driver. He's from the Ohio. I forget which town specifically. But anyway, he's from Ohio. He's been a former all star sprint car champion. Uh, you could say he's even got an outlaw win at Eldora. And I'm not sure of other ones, but I know that there was a big one at Eldora. Not that long ago, like 2016 ish. Anyway, so this guy is pretty good, but he's been struggling lately. No doubt about that. Like, he's the kind of guy I watch when I watch the streams. Of he's traveling all over the place with the All-Stars, and some nights he's just getting his teeth kicked in. And, like, I just drive up the road 45 minutes to get my teeth kicked in sometimes. And I know how much that sucks, so I can't imagine how towing all over the place and do it, having that happen. But anyway, so what happened Saturday? He was racing Saturday night. Uh, they're out, like, in an Iowa-type swing. They're racing tonight somewhere out there. Anyway, uh, he gets in a car crash. Someone rammed, like, he was going to, like, hit them head-on. Or something like that. Anyway, they get in a wreck and uh, he avoids the head on collision, but the other car still hits the rig and like a person ends up ejected. So I remember reading the post like he posted on Twitter how he wasn't gonna be able to race. So I remember seeing that. So I never followed up on that or anything. Right. But then the next morning I saw someone post like one singular person post on Twitter about this story in his interview and like how all that like he he told the story about like that happened and then he was sitting with his family saying i can't race tonight there's no way because he saw the person get ejected and taken away in the ambulance and all that stuff so they were just gonna skip and then uh so they were just sitting there at the crashing i guess in the toter home and then the cops ended up coming back and told them thank you for your evasive actions and all that stuff and they saved the person's life the evasive actions with the hauler the way they ended up hitting was probably better for them and they had actually walked out of the hospital that day yeah so I ejected from the car and then ended up walking out of the hospital with just minor injuries so at that point he just said f it we're going racing and they went to the track and he had his best run of the year i'm pretty sure finished third with the all-stars and 
yeah, like broke down in victory lane and yeah. crazy story. And yeah, no one shared that. Everyone loves throwing when people throw mud and do stupid stuff, but no one wants to share that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. So it's it. always the best stories in racing and just in general that get swept under the rug. So uh, we're glad that uh, you could share that one, Travis, with everybody from uh, the Southern Ontario Dirt Show crew here. And also we're going to get to another great story in Luke Carlton, who's going to join the show coming up next. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Oshweekin Speedway, Southern Ontario's home for Friday night excitement. For over 25 years, Oshweekin Speedway has promoted and played host to sprint car racing with a new season of family-friendly events on the horizon and set to begin May 19th. Catch our own Travis Cunningham as he races weekly in the 360 division each Friday night in pursuit of a season-long championship. The Friday night lineups are rounded out by crate sprints, thunderstocks, and mini stock divisions as well. In addition to weekly racing, Oshweekin Speedway will also hold several marquee events for the Southern Ontario Sprints, the Action Sprint Tour in their West Series and National Series, as well as a visit from Canada's premier stock car series, the NASCAR Pinty Series on August 14th and 15th for their only stop on dirt. Mark your calendars as the 3 8 mile dirt track located in Oshweekin, Ontario welcomes drivers from across the country and beyond for the 19th running of the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals which is scheduled for September 16th. To keep up to date with the latest news from the track, be sure to find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For track information on policies, admissions, directions, and more, be sure to visit oshweekenspeedway.ca. That's O-H-S-W-E-K-E-N speedway.ca. Oshweekin Speedway, your home for Friday night excitement. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Bicknell Racing Products. The last 40 years plus have seen Bicknell Racing Products grow to be an industry leader for racers and enthusiasts alike. Their St. Catharines location is home to 20,000 square feet of manufacturing and retail space with a second store in Niagara Falls, New York and a dealer network that continues to grow day by day to serve Southern Ontario, Western New York, and beyond. Bicknell Racing Products distributes Hoosier tires for much of Eastern Canada, New York, and even parts of Pennsylvania. BRP is everything you could need to keep your car performing at its peak with genuine parts from the manufacturer. They even have a technical support line committed to helping you with the most up-to-date information and feedback from racers and crew chiefs. Have you ever thought about a career in the automotive or racing industry? Now is your chance to take the leap with Bicknell Racing Products. They are looking for CNC machine operators, welders, and more to join their team this season. Please send all resumes to Dana Curving at BicknellRacingProducts.com. That's D-A-N-A. C-U-R-V-I-N at BicknellRacingProducts.com For further information on Bicknell Racing Products and to find a dealer near you, visit BRP online at www.BicknellRacingProducts.com or on Facebook or at Twitter.com slash BicknellRacing And our guest this week on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show, it is fresh from Victory Lane at Saturday night at Maryville Speedway, Luke Carlton joining the show. Luke, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Everything's a little bit better this week after our win. Coffee tasting a little better Absolutely this week. Absolutely everything. Everything just tasting a little everything. better. Yeah, that's I guess Paul's <laughs> driving to try to win, and uh, I, I mine don't come very often, so when they do, we enjoy it for sure. Yeah. So this was. Um, let's make sure I got the numbers early, better, right from earlier in the show. First modified feature win in 30 years and first feature win overall in over 10. Did I have that right? 10 years. Yeah. I, my last uh, uh, 
feature win was in a crate late model at uh, State Line Speedway in uh, June of 2013. And then uh, my one and only other modified win was uh, June of 1993 at Maryville Speedway. Late model. There was a sportsman one in there too. I can remember that at Maryville yeah, for sure. I, I got there's gotta be a few of those. Yeah, right? I got I got some sport I don't know how many wins I actually got, but it's not a lot. But I, I think I probably got about ten or twelve sportsman wins that are in between. Yeah, that's what I was but thinking. I totally forgot about that late model one. Yeah. Because I thought your sportsman one would have been the last one, but then yeah, late model at state line. Yeah, I think uh, I, yeah, state line and I think the uh my last sportsman win would have been uh two thousand and ten. I think I got one at Humberstone and one at Maryville that year. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well. well, walk us back to kind of the very beginning, uh, because you kind of have like one of those uh, famous family names. That, you know, when you think about racing locally here in Southern Ontario, uh, the Carlton boys, like that—that's just one of those names that you expect to see at a racetrack uh, on any given night. And right? the old man. So talk to us. Uh, talk to us about you know where your journey in racing started. Well, yeah, as Travis said, my my father raced and. Uh, all of his buddies did too, and there uh, there were a group of Hamilton boys who would come down to Maryville, Hummerstone. They used to race at Speedway Park. We we grew up right in that backyard watching races there as kids and all that. And so, uh, I think Dad last raced in about 1975, and then uh, by 1979, I bought my first race car. It was an old. Uh, coach uh full leaf springs in the rear cross leaf in the front uh inline six cylinder um that's the sportsman cars were inline six cylinders back then and uh i paid a a whole 300 bucks for that car (laughs) oh yeah i remember the look on uh, bobby st ammon's face when i rolled that car up to the pit gate and he really didn't want to let me go out because it it really was a safety issue but he let me go out anyways and we raced it for and uh (laughs) I ended up selling it and we got into some better equipment after that. So that was like limited sportsman. Yeah. Or something, whatever they call that. Class. Yeah. Well, that was like, the, they used to be the uh, inline six cylinders and the uh, uh, lead. Yeah. Back then he was the guy who was the big engine builder for us. I remember Fred buying a motor from him and uh, uh, we raced that for, I guess it was a few years. Like I'm Harold Sonnenberg. He was, uh, pretty much the guy who was doing the winning back then when we first started and him and Bruce Parks and, uh, and, uh, Dougie Fralick and guys like that. And, uh, basically the cars back then in the sportsman class, they were hand-me-downs from the modifies and they were all, uh, uh, full leaf springs and cross leafs in the front. And then if they got fancy, they went to coil over in the front. Um, but the modifieds then were starting to get into torsion bar and, and coils in the front. And some of them were the Tobiases with all torsion bars. And so, we, we really were there at the beginning of leaving from the, the leaf spring days and getting into the, what we pretty much are seeing today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Coils and torsions. Yeah. yeah. So that was 79 you're saying. So like, what was your next car after that? One? Um, I had, uh, uh, I remember we, we bought a car from, uh, the Willards. It was actually, uh, a converted street stock. Like it was an independent front end. And of course then it wasn't, there was no rule about straight axle at the time and all that. And I raced that for a couple of years. And, uh, really when, when I first started like going through uh, quite a few years, I would race for two years and then I would be a crew guy for either Fred or a friend of mine or whoever, you know, I, I crewed for Martin Pole Hill for a little bit and, uh, actually Boyd McTavish at one time. And, uh, but so, like I said, I, w- I would race probably two or three years and then take a year or two off. And, but, uh, yeah, that car. And then, uh, 
I've actually had quite a few cars and we'd always. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, we'd that. always yeah. end up selling them off and then, uh, you know, sitting out and then buying. And then, of course, getting uh, itchy to go racing again. And then you'd buy something up again. So. so what was your first win? My my first win was actually the modified win. I, I uh, and Tell us that whole night because I want to hear that <laughs> well, whole night. I, like, just tell yeah, us. We, we bought that car I, I, from Jimmy Chester. I think we paid $3,000 for that car. And uh, it was a super light Molly car, and uh, it had a, a, a sprint car type live rear end in it. And uh, it was just a really good car. And uh, uh, that night, uh, I think I started near the front. I don't know if I was on the front or not. And uh, I got the lead relatively early, and I was just hammering the throttle, getting around. And of course, Pete Bicknell ends up chasing me down to the wire and he ends up behind me and I'm just running all over the track and I don't know that I'm blocking, but I really, I'm blocking, you know, and all that. And so we ended up with the win and, uh, and, uh, that was the, uh, my first win. And, and then, uh, I think I raced modified for maybe two or three years after that, but then I ended up going sportsman racing and, and I pretty much raced sportsman up until I went back modified last year. Yeah. So talk to us about the decision to go into the sportsman class. What drew you to it? Was it a financial decision? Was it um, something uh, something else that brought you back into the sportsman? Well, it, yeah, it really was about the, the financial end of it, you know, and uh, uh, you, you could do a little bit better with the sportsman class. Uh, back then they had, you know, at one point when we had gone from the inline six cylinders to the, uh, uh, to the V8s, they were basically stock, and then they they grew into you know your your bow tie head type stuff and all that. But they were relatively a little more affordable than what we were doing in the, in the modifieds at the time. And uh, so then uh, we got into that. And then of course when the the crates came along, uh, that made a lot of sense for sportsman division. And uh, so and then I I've just always had a fascination for uh, late models. I just always like the looks of the cars, the way they drive, and all that. And so. That's uh, Lan and I decided, well, let's go create late model racing. And so then uh, I ended up uh, piecing together a car, and that's the 604 crate motor. And back then they were actually fairly affordable. They, they, they've more than doubled in price since then. But uh, And then we got to go to uh, some we, – we like going on road trips too. That's something that we've always enjoyed doing. And uh, so we got to go to uh, – like if a regular weekend, you could go to State Line Speedway. You could go to McKean. Um, and then there'd be trips to Sharon. Actually, we went to twice, but it rained out both times. I think I got one set of hot there, oh. but uh, I raced at Lernanville. Um, and then uh, there's a couple other tracks. I can't remember the names of that, but we got to go to different places and all that. And, uh, of course, Humberstone was racing the cars uh, on a fairly regular basis, but it was a small car count. At one point, there was only the three of us there, me, Jordan, and his dad, and and then it kind of grew from there, you know, when Pitsy came along and the other guys and all that. And they actually ended up with a, a pretty decent uh, group of cars there. Um, but uh, I did that for, I guess, about four or five years. And uh, the one thing you learn about late miles is with the body panels on the outside instead of on the inside of the crash guards, you need a full-time crew guy just for body alone because you just, you're, you're uh-huh. going to tear them up and... Uh, it's uh, even with the modifieds and with the, the crash guards on the outside, it's still a lot of work, but uh, never mind the other way around. So, but it was fun. It was a good experience and we enjoyed it. And like I say, we got to go travel around different places and all that. And, and so I did get that one win at 
state line. I also won at Hammerstone a couple of races with the my sports or the Great Late Model there too. Yeah, I was there for one of those. Uh, wouldn't like a like you say about the late models being more work. That's all I see when I look at those cars. Like I love them and they're cool cars too. But like wouldn't like uh, tearing like a front end out, like tearing a whole right front assembly off, be way harder than changing a front yeah, axle? Obviously. Absolutely, it's just like the no. Just yeah. trying to keep the noses on them it was it was it was a tough one um <clears throat> of course they'd always try to use lighter weight materials and all that so uh at least with their you know with our modifies with our, our little crash guard if if we touch bumpers or whatever you're not wiping out the front end you're not wiping off the nose piece or anything like that but the late models you really are and it's a it's a tough deal and and uh i don't know if you've ever been to state line or not but it's a little bull ring and very oh, yeah. tight racing eh? yeah and uh I call it dirt flame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty that similar. Sounds about right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a good experience, and I just like I say, I just I've always had a fascination. I still do. I love watching the supers and all that, but uh, they are they are a lot of work for sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, now you found yourself back in a modified, and uh, you're running. You're one of the few drivers left in the field right now running uh, the open motors. So talk to us about. Uh, that decision for you and uh, your experience this season thus far with the open motor trying to go up against the W16s. Yeah, I think uh, overall, I would, I, I really do believe that it's, it's kind of on an equal basis. Uh, I think the, uh, the W's with sail panels and then versus the opens without that. I, I think they're pretty equal in cars and it, it really is, you know, if you got, if you're, if your car's working good that night and if you're driving it right, then I think you're going to have that advantage that way. Um, Maybe when the track is slickened off and and uh, and you want to drive your car in harder with the sail panels, I think that might be where there's an advantage there. Um, but I, these cars nowadays, the way that we're getting them to work and the way that you drive them, there's, there's really no more of that easy in, hard out kind of mentality. It's drive the car in as flat as hard as you can and just let it float and let it drive up to the top and, and keep the momentum up. And uh, when you get the car working on those short lengths, um, I suppose the, a sail panel in that aspect would work uh, maybe better. But uh, like I say, I think you can get the cars, even with the open motors, without the sail panels, you can get them working pretty good. So um, I don't think I'm at a disadvantage at all. And I think actually as the tracks get uh, tackier and they usually, do, they cultivate the tracks as we get into August and they start to get a little bit better. Um, I think an open motor is going to be better than the, uh, than the Wagner. Um, now the, where these motors came from there, uh, Dennis Jankola, uh, who's been in racing his whole life. He had put together a motor that was in uh, Ryan Ferry's car last year. Ryan used it when he was racing uh, modified and then Ryan decided that he actually, he, he was going to quit racing, but, he, uh, he's got his stuff for sale, but <clears throat> you see him out there, he's racing his sportsman again and that, but I went to Dennis and asked him if he was interested in putting the motor in my car and he said, sure. And so we just hooked up that way and that allowed me to actually go and buy better equipment than what I had. And, uh, so I think our whole program's better, not that we got a lot of money in it or anything like that, but it's a lot better. And then, uh, Dennis has actually got a, a second motor. That's uh, we, we could probably put it in this week, but I, I told him I'd like to hold off until uh, the following week <clears throat> because that timeline is going to work out better. And I think this next one is going to be even uh, a better motor. The one that we got in the car right now, it works great. I, if, if, as long as I don't put too much gear in it, it pulls along and 
everything works good. And uh, I just, I don't feel like, I don't think that whole conversation about opens versus the, uh, the Wagner and the sale panels <clears throat> is kind of a fair conversation with people. I see a lot of guys running off and they're buying the Wagners and they're putting the sale panels on and that motor from an affordability price is, is actually the better choice. But uh, to actually think that it's an advantage over the opens, I, I don't really agree with that or think that's the way it is. Yeah, that's what I say. Because earlier when we recorded our part that we do, like the open talk before, like I said the same thing. I think it's pretty equal. And I referenced like Schrader coming up, runs those cars once a year and he finished fifth this year in Pete's car. And then I was just making jokes like, I was making jokes at work like, hey, Luke won with a spec motor. Does everyone have to switch back to specs this week or what? <laughs> uh, I know. And there's, there's going to be nice specs aren't going to be great. And then there's going to be nice that the Wagners are, you know, going to be. Have you? run both this year or just the no spec? i i actually i still have my wagner and i i had it in for uh for the practice session because the the open wasn't ready and uh and it was good I, we i never put sail panels on and it was funny because you know we started getting that conversation i was out there turning some uh really good lap times i think we were top two or three out of the all the cars that were there and everybody was saying to me, they're going, wow, that open motor is really good. I said, it's not. That's the Wagner without the sail pan going really good, you know. And and so it, it just depends on how your cars are hooked up and how you're driving your car. And uh, But uh, I still have that motor sitting on the shop floor. If you know, I Hopefully we'll never need to use it, but it's there for that purpose in case we do. So, so is Dennis putting the motors together himself? Dennis or? putting What's together himself. He's He's... So it's more of a low budget spec motor. Yeah, okay, it ain't this, no. this this one that is in the car, you know, it's it, it's a used pieces that he had and he and he put it together. It's a, you know, a, a, an older set of the Brodex heads and all that. But the the new one, he's he's, he's put together new parts and he's he spent some good money on it. And, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think it's it's going to be a nice piece and and uh, he's a little bit more cam, uh, you know, a little bit more rocker and. I think he's going to try to get it to breathe a little better and all that. And uh, so it'll be interesting. And uh, he's, uh, Dennis started, uh, he bought out a, a machine shop uh, for engine building a while ago because he just wanted to get a little change in what he was doing for uh, earning a living and all that. And of course, being a racer, he, uh, it was one of his goals to, to build an engine to try to go out and win races. And uh, I'm glad I was able to get him uh, that win for him. He's I went and talked to him the other day, and he's just really, really happy about that, and and uh, good for him. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, that's a cool yeah. story. I love that part. I thought it was uh, one of the ERD retreads. You, I thought something you had that. I didn't realize you had Dennis. No, it's that's just cool. it's just his it's just his piece that he put together with stuff he had there in the shop, and it's working out great. And uh, it really pulls. It's a it's a great motor when you put, take the gear out of it, and it just pulls along. But uh, it, using the torque, yeah, yeah, using the torque, and uh, I, I think when the tracks get slick and you're, and you're pulling that gear out, it just seems to be even better. So um, I hope this next one is uh, is working out just as well. So yeah, Maryville is more of a torque track than a horsepower track. I think I think so too. Is thousand percent i think the way the car and just like the way the cars are the way we got them handling and uh you know the left sides are all jacked up and and uh, we're trying to get those short rods pointed up in the air and all that and then you keep your momentum up and i think a motor like that where you just you know just sort of got the gear out of it and you're just keeping your momentum going i think it works well for that so 
So I wanted to ask about uh, what's on the side of your race car, the oldest dirt uh, YouTube racing channel. If anybody hasn't yeah. checked this out yet, it's a, it's a great watch. It's a great behind the scenes look of what uh, it's like to, to be in the dirt world and be a driver working on race cars. Uh, just talk to us about uh, where that came from and how, uh, how things are going with the uh, oldest dirt channel. Yeah, that uh, that originally started with uh, my nephew Richie and Freddie. I think they, a, a couple or Fred a couple years ago, um, it was a, a race wrench repeat, and uh, uh, you know they were doing their best to try to develop that channel. And for you know the, the reasons that most people are doing, you're you're just trying to see if you can develop something that uh, will, people will be interested in. So. Uh, maybe it'll uh, create some value and and uh, and get you some support you need for when you're going racing and all that. But um, it, it kind of faded on them. It's a lot of work for the editing and all that stuff. And uh, so then this winter, uh, when I got talking to my niece, Marlena, who's my crew chief and helps me out a lot, and, uh, we got talking about it and, and said we should revive it and get it going again and just start recording ourselves. And so then... Uh, then we decided, well, let's change the name of it. And uh, so I, I told her, I said, well, everybody keeps telling Fred and I that we're old as dirt. So uh, <laughs> why not use that? And so we looked it up and sure enough, it was available. So it's really just a runoff of the, the what them guys were doing. And uh, so we do our best trying to record everything that we do. And, uh, you know, you just try to be as real as you possibly can. You know what I mean? Just you try to get rid of that part about that you know any kind of acting or anything like that we're just trying to be ourselves and and uh and uh, show people the you know the grad work and all the other stuff that it takes and uh but it's uh it is a big job and and marlena does all the edit and all that stuff and i've already told her if it gets to be too much i said i guess there's uh services that you can buy to do the edit and all that stuff that you know we can look into that but uh the main thing that we understand is just keep putting out content yeah they say just keep that every week and that uh eventually it, it should grow and it might take a long time it might never happen but it, it, it might take a, a couple of years or longer or whatever but uh we're just trying to develop something that uh, i don't know if for fred and myself if you know if you you benefit from a, a, a like a monetary uh, manner from it or not but um we have our people in our, our my nephews and my grandnephews and, and all that i I don't know how much interest they have in racing themselves and all that, but if we were able to develop something that uh, would help to uh, pay for uh, racing, which uh, obviously, you know, Travis is just crazy. The, the cost going the way they're going and all that, that, uh, yeah. you know, maybe if we can get some of the 8 billion people on planet earth to get interested in what we're doing, then, and, uh, and uh, maybe it works out for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I've definitely watched some of it. One of the ones I was watching, like you were, at Ransomville Friday, and like you had a bad night, you had to fix stuff Saturday morning, yeah. and then you ended up winning. So what did you have to fix? Um, I well, I tore the front end out of it, um, and the uh, I didn't realize it till late in the day that um, the I had uh, bent the right rear hub, and the threads on the tube were they were pretty mangled up. And uh, once we actually pulled the hub off, we couldn't really get the thread back on the nut back on the on the thread on the tube. And so Fred ends up pulling phone in uh, Pete and uh, Pete's actually in bed. He actually gets close to the shop, grabs the tube in the bell. Cause it's that easy uh, rear end, the DMI rear end for the easy change in the tube. And 
he drops it off at the house and uh, like you know you couldn't ask him to do much more than that right and uh, so then uh, I actually at that point managed to get that together so we just kept that with us I changed that this week but uh, so I did enough damage I to be honest with you that happened so quick I I just think that uh, I drove down into the corner I drove in low and at Ransomville, you're just so wide open there. And I, I just remember having my foot to the floor and I think, oh, it's going to turn. And while it, it did, but not till it was too late. And that was right at the very end of the, uh, the cement wall. And they got a big tractor tire there. And I caught that with the crash guard. And it just in a 360. And that, and then the front end came around, smashed. And that's what wrecked the, uh, the front end. But uh, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. I, I was looking to have a good night there. We'd actually run a couple uh, of nights, a pretty good race in there. And, uh, and so that was pretty disappointing that that happened. And then Saturday morning when I'm looking at the car, I'm thinking, well, crash guards ripped off of it and we're, we're welding pockets and straightening them out and all that stuff. And that, well, if we get it back together, you want to get there to get your, uh, your, your points in and your handicap so that you don't end up with a, a, a race win. And then, cause basically then your handicapping for the rest of the year is going to be pretty messed up. But, uh, yeah. so that was my mindset, just going to the track and getting that done. And, uh, it ends up that we go out in the hot laps and the car was fine. And, and then, uh, we finished decent in our heat. And then by the time the feature was ready to roll, I'm like, okay, no, this thing's fine. Let's, let's race. And, uh, so I grabbed the lead early and then, uh, we're just able to hang, hang on to it, you know? Yeah. And it was an extra Looking. special one on Saturday night too, uh, racing with the uh, uh, the family and friends of first responder Jerry Saxton uh, in the crowd as well. And you and uh, Freddie both have his uh, badge on the race car and have had it all uh, season long. So just talk to us about uh, uh, you know the relationship with Jerry, why you're racing for him, and uh, uh, how special it was to get that done for everybody in the crowd. Yeah, Jerry Saxton uh, was is the. Uh, brother of my brother-in-law and I, I actually worked with Jerry uh, you know some 30 years ago at, at TRW he used to work there and then when he, he became a fireman and he left there but uh, just a super guy and uh, uh, unfortunately he passed away and uh, we uh, we decided uh, to put his uh, name and his badge number on our cars to, to honor him and uh, uh, it meant a lot to uh, my brother-in-law Billy and, and uh, all their family and uh, and then Donnie and Lorraine, when uh, Fred asked them if we could put on something for first responders, all first responders, and then uh, and then in, uh, especially with Jerry, and uh, you know they were on board with that, and that's fantastic. I can't thank uh, thank Donnie and Lorraine enough for doing that. And uh, I, I got to tell you, it was pretty nerve wracking when and everybody was having a blast. I think there was like forty or fifty of them in the in the stands there, and they were having such a good time and. Uh, a lot of them had never been to the races before and uh, so that they were actually really enjoying it. And uh, so we really were just thinking about that. We were going to get that group photo at the, after the heat races there, you know, you're thinking, well, that's probably going to be it. Right. And then, uh, so I'm out there and I'm winning the race and I'm actually, as I'm driving around, it dawns on me that, Oh crap, they, you know, you could win this race that we're, you know, trying to honor the first responders and especially Jerry. And, uh, and I thought, man, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then uh, we ended up pulling it off and then they, they all come out. And so then we got to come out for the second time and, you know, and then afterwards over in the pits and uh, everybody was having a good time. And it was just, it was just a, a really good, like it was more of a celebration of life for Jerry, you know what I mean? And uh, it was just a really good time. Yeah. Man, what a time to get your 
first win in 10 well, years. Well, yeah, that's right. You know, I, when you think about the whole thing, eh, you know, we get the monkey off our bat for, uh, for winning a race and doing what we're all, you know, the reason we all go racing is to try to win. And then, uh, and then we're, uh, we're honoring a, a good man in Jerry. And then, so it was just a good night all the way around. You know? Yeah. All right. I thought of this one earlier, cause this is episode 61 of our podcast. So that's driving Ivan little. I know your brother Fred like goes to see him sometimes still and stuff like that. I don't know if you do or not, but do you have a wicked driving Ivan story or just give us, just tell us about <laughs> how he was. About Ivan. Ivan was, uh, I yeah. haven't actually seen Ivan myself in a long time. Fred does stop by and, and talk to Ivan quite often and all that. I think the last time I seen Ivan, uh, it was like a uh, super dirt week. Uh, a few years ago, he was at uh, Brewerton and all that with Dougie Gordon. And I, I chatted with him a little bit, but uh we used to have quite a bit of fun with uh, back in the days at the old Henley Hotel with uh, Ivan and Rhubarb and his crew and all that. And uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on that, but <laughs> they're no, just a good group of guys. And we always had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Ivan, of course, when he raced, you know, was always about uh, trying to win and uh, track champ and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So. Uh, but yeah, we had a, we had a really good time with Ivan, uh, back in the, well, it would be in their eighties, basically when we were hanging out, Fred used to crew for him. Eh? And, uh, yeah, yeah. so it, it was always a good time. Thought so. And then that leads into my next question. you you said you love, uh, traveling. What was your favorite racing trip? Favorite racing trip? Um, I don't know, I guess, uh. Uh, we've been to we've been up to Cornwall. We've been to Brighton. Uh, actually, it, because of COVID, we did a lot of the traveling up to our Canadian tracks in the north. But prior to that, I was always going uh, uh, into the New York State tracks and all that. But uh, I always really like going to Outlaw Speedway. Um, I, I just I, that place reminds me a lot of Merrillville and Humberstone. So when I whenever I went there, I never I haven't won a race there, but I've always run well there. And, and uh, just a really good group of people there too, and uh, we always had fun. But we, we actually uh, went there when the Hogue family owned it, and uh, so I've been there quite a bit, and uh, just a lot of fun. And uh, that's uh, Atlanta and I. We just always enjoyed putting our. Uh, that's why we bought the, our motor home, you know. And we just would put the race car in the back of our open trailer, and we'd go tow wherever, and uh, and then just go and do our best to compete and all that. But yeah, Outlaw was always uh, a fun place to go to, and. I'd like to get back there, um, but uh, I guess the cars are running there. They're they're different in their the sail panel cars with the uh, SDS type motors and and uh, American yeah. racers. American yeah. racers. Actually, yeah. when I I, uh, I remember going there with my sportsman car with my Hoosiers and steel wheels, and they had a challenge against their sportsman. I think they had sail panels at the time, but they had aluminum wheels in their American racers. Uh, um, I, I remember going there and finish, I think I finished third that, that one race. And, uh, that was in the first when they started, uh, with the crate motors, uh, back in 2010, 2011, them guys had open motors and me and a few other guys, we had our steel wheel crate, uh, Hoosiers on and, uh, everybody, ah, you can't go down there and compete with them. And I remember I finished third that one race there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, a good, a, a fun place to go to for sure. Oh, I just, that just reminded me of another story a Fred tells me about you, about like your sprint car. Like, didn't you build a cheap sprint car for a minute? <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. that long. And I actually, I raced, I raced one sprint car race. And it's funny that now when you look at the, uh, you know, the, the 602s in, in the sprint cars and all that, and that's essentially what 
I guess it was just nobody was really ready for it or thinking about it. And we, we were still open motors in the sportsman class. And, but it had gotten to such a, an expense that we were right at the edge of getting uh, to the crates. And, and so uh, my suggestion to guys, I was saying, you know, like when you sort of look at a sprint car, I think they're, they're a more affordable car than a modified. Um, but I was thinking about like a stock type crate version motor in, in the car. So we actually ripped the motor out of a, I bought a sprint car cause I had a, had a, a steelhead, uh, open sportsman motor that I was going to put in. And I think it was the SOS who was racing up at us weekend at the time. And I planned on yeah. racing with them. And, uh, but first I, I we tore this stock motor out of a Camaro and I put it in the car and I go to Humberstone and I do some practice laps and all that. And we talk to people and they, well, we do this, you know, and, uh, maybe this is more affordable and everybody, yeah, that's dumb. And then, uh, so then I just left it at that and I put the, the motor in the car. I went to, uh, the season end and it, it was probably one of the first, uh, uh races they had I think the, in September, the race they have at, uh, a, a it was called the sprint car championships. Yeah. Back then, I think right pre yeah. it was a, I raced it. And, yeah. Uh, I remember I, 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 I finished second or third in my heat and I actually got into a dash. And then, uh, and then in the feature, I forget where I started, but I, I was booting around about five or six laps, and I ended up losing the motor. I, I blew up the motor, and so, and then I just decided, well, I can't afford the, uh, the, the sprint car type engine. So then I just decided to sell the car, and I went back sportsman racing. But that was probably about uh, God, or early mid two thousands. Yeah, I think it was earlier. Early two yeah, thousand, about oh five or somewhere around then. That we yeah. did that right and uh and then now all these years later you know everybody said well let's put a 602 in a sprint car <laughs> maybe we can create a sportsman type division and and i'm glad they did it because man look at it hey that's that's fantastic what's going on up there you know yeah it's definitely yeah, blowing sure. up but yeah you can almost say luke carlton started well i i'll take <laughs> if anybody remembers that's the problem yeah because <laughs> you know fred has told clint that story There's oh no, no doubt. doubt he has He's right. He's told me that yeah, story. He's probably told <laughs> that story about 50 times and he forgets everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, we'll get you out of here on this one, Luke. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this is kind of the final question we ask everybody who comes on the show. And it's, uh, I'm going to give you one race car, one race track to race at uh, for the rest of your life. Just one last drive. What's the combination you can choose? It can be something you've run in the past or something you've always wanted to somewhere you've always wanted to. Uh, well, it'd have to be a, a super late model at uh, Sharon Speedway. One hot lap session. He loves yeah. it. <laughs> I, like that I love it. As I was going to say, that's one of the one. more unique ones. Yep. I don't think we've had anybody pick Sharon yet. People have said super late model before, but definitely not at Sharon, well, which is an awesome place. I, I'd been there to watch some races, and like I said, I went there twice to race, and it, it got rained out, and... Uh, um, I just got in the one hot lap session. I just think that it, I watched some racing from there earlier this year and all that. And it just looks like a really fun place to race at for sure. For sure. Awesome. It. Well, thanks for taking the time, Luke. We really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of 2023. And, uh, hopefully you don't wait uh, 10 years for another victory. All right, buddy. Yeah, we're going to try not to do that. And, uh, thanks a lot guys. And, uh, uh, congratulations on your show here. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks Luke. Okay. And the checkered is out on another episode of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show presented by Oshweekin Speedway and Bicknell Racing Products. Like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
connect with us on Facebook at Southern Ontario Dirt Show or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SODS underscore pod. Have a question for the show? Email us, southernontariodirtshow at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting local racing in Southern Ontario, and we'll see you at the track.